to Matthew 28. I want to read something about our subject this morning. Verse 1 and 28, Matthew says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene, the other mother, came, and the other Mary, excuse me, came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Watch this. This isn't your average everyday scene. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I want to pause right there and just tell you that I love what I see in my mind when this angel came, as these women approached the throne, the angel came, set on that, set on that stone. I don't know how you see that, but here's how I see it. This guy has power. He's on an assignment. And I see him with his feet propped up on the stone, sitting sideways. I see him there with his hands folded as if it's absolute, nothing but just power. And the devil approaches and he says, what are you doing? And I think the angel kind of says like this, I roll this stone away and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I like that, don't you? Don't change my picture, I'm happy with it. <laughs> I think God's word is so interesting. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes was white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I doubt if you and I might respond close to the same. But the angel answered and said unto the women. By the way, it was the women that went there, not the men. The men went because I think they were afraid. My question is, why wouldn't you think the ladies would be afraid? So I see some good courage here. Ladies, you owe me. Thank you. He said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you see Jesus, seek Jesus who was crucified. Oh, wow. And I know, verse 6, he is not here. He is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. The ladies only repeated the message the angel had told them. But he invited them to the empty tomb, and they knew it was empty. Can you imagine when the ladies went back to the guys hiding in a room and announced that Jesus is risen? I want to tell you, you can't beat God's sense of humor. He is an awesome God. How many of you are glad you serve him? This morning is Easter. It means life, and it means life after death. Every blade of grass sings the melody of life after death. Every new bud on a tree in spring sings the melody of life after death. Every beautiful flower that adorns the side of the mountain and the grass sings the melody of life after death. Today, I see some new dresses, and this morning in the early service, we had some Easter hats on. I think they're, not, they're just good. I like Easter hats. Maybe you've got a new tie on or something, guy. but let me tell you, the, we, adorn, we adorn these bodies, and, and we do that that we live in hope and in truth of the fact of life after death. All the activities of Easter celebration are because of the promise of a certain future that God has promised us. The message of Easter resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, it's like the Christmas, the birth of Christ. It's a well of wonders. It, it's a fountain of inspiration for the believing heart. I want to look at the word resurrection. It's a word that stimulates and grips 
the heart of every man, woman, and child. For deep within the spirit of the human being and every mortal, there is a longing, there is a yearning that says something like this. We all have it. It says this, when it's all over for me, I don't want it to be over for me. I, if I must die, I want to live again. And every mortal has had that thought. That is so dominant, this yearning is, that in every human heart, here comes the help of Satan, and it has caused humanity to go to great lengths to invent, to fabricate a second a third, a fourth life, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, the whole concept of the, of the cult of reincarnation, it's only man's attempt to try to cry out, in essence, this. If I blow it this time, I want to have another chance. So dominant is that yearning in the human heart. Some have had their bodies frozen in hope that science would one day be able to sustain the human life. Ladies and gentlemen, there's more than one kind of fanaticism. And we as Christians may be accused of some of it, but I don't think ours is near as extreme as others are. Please say amen. I mean, I see the football crowd go without a shirt and paint half their body one color and half the other and scream like, children... Haven't you? And they think we're fanatical? I think we ought to be able to raise our hands and say praise the Lord and not be considered fanatics. Many so-called intellectuals adopt various theories. They study numerous philosophies. Because in their concept, believing the Word of God, the Bible, is too simple. Or it's too vague. It's too difficult. And I've even heard that some think that it assumes too much. But I want to assure you this morning, Mr. Transcendental Meditationist, I want to assure you today, karma philosopher, I want to tell you today, you may try to excuse all you can with yoga. Call all the spirits you want to conjure. Conjure every mystic fortune teller, every shaman, every witch doctor, anything you want to, want, to, want to conjure. When it's all said and done, the creator of it all said, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. As Christians, we are asked to simply, but honestly and earnestly, believe, like the song we sang this morning, God is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. I don't find that difficult to believe. The Holy Son of God came, wrapped himself in flesh. He was crucified and died and rose again as what is called first fruits. That means he's the first in this resurrection of a second and a third resurrection that will occur. Let me touch that a moment. He was the first fruits. He was resurrected. The second fruits will be the church when he returns for the church in what we call the rapture. That will be the second rapture or the second fruits. Then there will be on judgment day all those who will be raptured to stand before God at the great white throne judgment. Three, if you will, resurrections. That's why they called him 
first fruits. We read it about Adam and Christ. But here's what's good to know. That son came and resurrected his first fruits. And if I, because of personal limitation, I come to him and I repent of my sin as first fruits, then I too will know a personal resurrection as part of the body of Christ. How many of you are planning on being in that second group? To me, I will declare to you that is far more believable and far easier than believing all the man-made religions. I was watching TV the other day, and I don't even remember the show, but it was about a foreign country somewhere, and they were talking about these people believe that this tree has evil spirits in it in the forest, and then they pointed to others. They say, these believe they have good spirits in the forest, and if you walk through it, depending on whether you touch an evil-spirited tree or a good-spirited tree, determines your future. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I have something far more dependable than that. This is absolute. Can you say amen? By Lord, I, I thank God. But listen, Jesus, of all the religion, I add to that all the historical proof and add to that the present fulfillment of prophecies before our eyes and add to that the company that I enjoy with God every day and you have a personal, perfect hope in Jesus Christ that the world can't give you and the world cannot take it away. Our world is just wallowing in a quagmire of man-made ideas where man has become his own God. And ladies and gentlemen, we so worship self. I say so many times, today America and the world ought to get on their knees in front of a mirror and worship the Holy Trinity of me, myself, and I. But I want to tell you something. No matter how good we think we are, we are not anywhere near what the Creator is. And we don't have any power except He gives it to us. You see that in the resurrection story. Wow, that Pilate was it or said, I, or Herod, I, give, I have power to take your life. And Jesus said, you don't have any power that wasn't given to you by God. <laughs> and when they came to arrest him, they said, are you the Christ, the Messiah? And he said, I am. And knocked a whole bunch of soldiers to the ground, just the power of his voice. I love it, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus said, no man takes my life and my blood from me, I personally lay it down on my own accord. The word resurrection, anistomy is the word. It means up or again. It means cause to stand. It means to be raised again. And the Bible, I want to share with you today in this sanctuary and on Facebook across this world, the Bible indeed teaches that mankind does live eternally. We live eternally in a conscience, visible, tangible, recognizable body. In Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit of God in Corinthians, eventually in that eternal state, we will know each other as we are known. The Bible teaches that this body will die. At death, the body will return to dust. 
But at death, the soul and the spirit never dies. At the moment of death, the Bible teaches us, our soul and our spirit, the person that we are, goes either to heaven or hell. And the choice of whether you go to heaven or hell is made in this life and not a second, third, fourth, or tenth. I want to say something here that I think is funny whether you believe it or not. If you believe in reincarnation, sir, I want to tell you something. You're, going to a, lot, you're a lot more intelligent as a human being to make that decision than you are as a frog or a gnat. Do you leave your sense of humor home on Easter Sunday? Can you believe that? We're the most intellectual creature. We're made in the image of God. And we think we can make a better choice if we're an amoeba? I don't think so. Listen to this. The blessed, distinct offer of Christianity that makes it stand out from all other, quote, religions is not only life beyond death and not only life in heaven, but it furnishes positive proof. There is an empty tomb. There was a Calvary. There was a birth of Christ on this earth. And yet some disbelieve it. Like at Corinth and Paul, by the Spirit inspiration, wrote to the Corinthians. And he gives two reasons, or from two standpoints, and I want to use it this morning for the message. He first of all uses the negative. And he says this, if Christ is not risen. And then he says, but now Christ is risen. And I want to take that format. I want to use the negative and then I want to go to the positive. But I want, to help, I want you to help me preach this morning. So I want you to get ready. Listen, every point I have, I'm going to say if Christ is not risen. And then I'm going to say, but now, and I want you as a congregation to come out on these cameras and audio, and I want you to, I'm going to say, but now, and I want you to say, Christ is risen. So let's rehearse that. Ready? But now, I want you to enunciate is, but now, Christ I want them to believe it, don't you? Here we go. Everything we have as Christians, everything we are as believers, everything that we shall ever be hangs on one truth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear me. Without the resurrection, Calvary is simply another bloody spot on history's pages. But because of Bethlehem and because of the resurrection, Calvary is Satan's defeat and it's my victory. So here we go. You ready? Point one. If Christ, here's what Paul said. If Christ is not risen, Christ's own testimony is untrue. He promised, I will rise again. He promised. They thought he was talking about the temple made out of rock that took years to build. But he promised. He said, you destroy this temple, meaning his body, because the Spirit of God lived in him. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will build it again. They didn't get it. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. He said and promised, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I'm the beginning. I am the ending of it all. And if Christ is not risen, all that is untrue. 
But ladies and gentlemen, but now Christ is risen. <laughs> that that enthusiasm that, that made that 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 pushed my button right there. He did rise again. There is an empty tomb. They did destroy that temple. And in three days he did build it again. He did have power in heaven and on earth. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And his testimony is true. Hallelujah. Because now, whew, praise the Lord. Secondly, if Christ is not risen, the, disciple, the disciples were completely deceived. These who left their way of life, they taught, they preached, they literally, as we would say today, bet their lives he was Messiah. And if Christ is not risen, all the disciples of all people were the most foolish people in that day. But listen, something was the cause of forsaking all others, walking away from their businesses, walking away from their income. Something caused them to do that and follow him. Something was the cause of preaching while their lives were in danger when people wanted to stone them and kill them. Something was the cause of giving their bodies as sacrifice at the end of their lives. Something was the cause of encountering hardship and ridicule and abuse and degradation. Something caused these men to march through the pages of Holy Writ of the New Testament until they were all individually martyred and did it willingly. What was it? What was it? Here's what it was. They saw him the third day alive, just like he said, and they declared, Now, <laughs> we just joined that crowd. Did you know that? Now their lives were not in vain. Now their sacrifices were not in vain. You know why? Because now, Thirdly, if Christ is not risen, the church is a gigantic fraud. This whole thing we call church is the biggest fraud. This majestic structure of fellowship all across this planet. If Christ is not risen, it's all without any foundation at all. This organization and organism, who can give an account, ladies and gentlemen, for its stamina who can give an account for its strength for these centuries? It was started in a very obscure place. And it was only with 11 disciples left. Ladies and gentlemen, it had the chance of very little things. But I want you to know it is Christ who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What caused it to go through all these centuries to spend trillions of dollars to win the loss? Where we sacrifice every week and every month here to send missionaries and we give to this community to try to carry this message is if there was no empty tomb the third day Christianity is the emptiest organization on earth but I want to tell you this ladies and gentlemen this tenacious group 
of a remnant of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We who declare ourselves twice born men and women, we are blood washed, we are blood cleansed, and we are blood kin. And it is alive and it marches on because its founder is alive. And Jesus says it is the church triumphant. He said, I will build my church. He went on to say, of my kingdom, there will be no end. You know why? Because now, Christ is And the church is alive, and he's coming back to take it out of this world. Fourthly, if Christ is not risen, this whole thing called the Christian experience is a grand illusion. Listen to this. If Christ is not risen... Imagine this world. No forgiveness. No relief from pain. No place to get rid of guilt. No justification. No pardon. No kindness. No love. No gentleness. No long-suffering. No peace with God. No peace for the mind of struggling humanity. If Jesus did not resurrect, there is no joy. There is no hope. There is no answered prayer. There's no sweet fellowship among those of the household of faith. If Jesus is not resurrected, there is no heaven. And all this salvation and born again and being a new creature and coming to God and feeling that clean kind of feeling and knowing that He has washed me and cleansed me, it's all a delusion. But I want to declare on Easter Sunday morning, 2019, this gospel is good news. You know why? Because now. Good news. There. <laughs> good news. There is forgiveness. There is pardon. There is deliverance. There is peace of mind. There is joy. There is an answer to prayer. There's an amazing grace that's the sweetest sound you'll ever know. There's an empty tomb and there's hope. And when life may place you in its crutches and crush you, there's a place to go. Good news, the place at the Father's right hand is occupied by a resurrected son. And the comforter has come and he knows how to take care of your problems. Don't put your problem and your sin and your things above our God. This God knows how. So I say this morning on Easter Sunday, seeing birds of spring, shine stars at night, wave flowers of beauty, because now Christ is risen. Rejoice, lost wanderer, the whosoever will, the struggling one, the crushed one, the wounded one. Come, the church is no delusion. The church is the only organization that's going to last eternally. And he said, stay with it because I'm going to redeem it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This This church is imperfect. And please don't make me say because of its pastor. But it's so true. <laughs> you know what? I've been here 31 and a half years. And you know what I love about you? 
It's really this. You see my few imperfections. What was that about? <laughs> you, you see my humanness, my imperfections. I, I say things you don't like. I do things that upset people. I, I love this. People ask me all the time, listen, once you get past 50, everybody wants to know if you have high blood pressure. And let me tell you, all of you under 50, once you turn 50, if you don't take pills, they're going to see that you do. They're going to put you on medicine for breathing. <laughs> it's amazing. And you get greetings from AARP even before you're 50. It is a, it's a change. It's amazing. Now, I totally forgot what I was going to say. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> okay. So it's more than a few. I will tell you this much. I'm in good company. <laughs> I was going to tell you. Somebody asked me here a while back, do you have high blood pressure? And I said, no, I don't have it. I give it. <laughs> I'm the source of it. Because I preach sometime under the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord. And sometimes the Word of God is strong. And sometimes it's correcting. Sometimes it's chastening to our will and ourself and what we want to hear. And when I leave this pulpit and go to that foyer, Satan jumps all over me saying, why don't you just leave people alone? Why don't you just preach peace and joy? And everything's wonderful, wonderful. Let's just play things on through the tulips. I want to tell you something. This word, ladies and gentlemen, divides even the soul and the spirit. And I must preach the truth of this, but Satan will attack you. Say, why don't you just let everybody live in fun? Well, the reason... What I love about you, you see, okay, you see those hundreds of imperfections. And you still choose to come to church. I can't explain except I do know this. There's a love in the spirit of the God that doesn't make reason, but it sure keeps us loving one another. I know why you come. It's because my wife married a gorgeous man. Yeah, I've only been 30 years, 50 years trying to say that. <laughs> Aren't you glad the church is going to endure for eternity? How many of you are going to be part of the church in the glory world when we get there? I'm going to be part of it. I'm not going to let anything in this world keep me from getting there. Fifthly, and I need to hurry. If Christ has not risen, the hope of immortality is to no avail. That that yawn, that yearning and that urgency inside of you that if I die, I want to live again. If Christ is not resurrected, that immortality is no avail. If Christ is not risen, every loved one that you and I have that's gone on in death, if Christ is not risen, they perish like brute beasts. But I have this longing, looming question down in me deeply. How many of you ever ask a five-year-old child how old they are and they'll say five and a half? 
Isn't it amazing when we're younger, we want to be older, and when we're older, we want to be younger? We, don't, we just can't ever be satisfied, can we? I was five and a half, I'll have you know, <laughs> in an old farmhouse down in Garvin County with my great-granny Ward. She was up in her middle 90s, and she was on her deathbed, and the whole family gathered around in that little bedroom crowded in. I remember I stood the right hip of my dad and I stuck my head between him and my uncle and I was watching my granny ward. If Christ is not risen, what in the world was my granny saying when she said, I'm ready to go? And when she raised her hand and looked and she said, do you hear them? Do you see them? They're coming for me. They're coming for me. Oh, listen to the beautiful music. And she said, I'm ready to go. If Christ is not risen, Granny, go where? Who was that escort she was seeing and hearing? If Christ is not risen, every expectation of seeing Jesus is empty. But listen to it. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them, also my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my dad, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Listen to it. Beloved, because that's the group that's made it right. Beloved, it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Amen. That granddad, that grandmother, that mother, that father, that son, that daughter, that companion, that's gone on in Christ, we will see again. Because he lives, we shall live also because Christ lives. That's enough reason right there to live for the Lord. I got one more. Singers, musicians, come. If Christ is not risen, we Christians, listen to this, of all men, Paul said, are most pitiable. The King James Version said, we are of all people most miserable. I want to tell you something. The most miserable people on earth are those who can't believe. We who stood for decades and stand today as a remnant of God, we stood on the highest pinnacle of expectation, meaning we're the optimist. No matter what Satan throws at us, no matter what our feelings say, no matter how deeply we're wounded, no matter how many times we've been to the stake and, and, and injured, no matter how many times somebody's wounded our spirit, those of us who've had the brightest outlook, those of us who've tried to live the life and try to carry the banner, and those of us who've withstood the ridicule, like I did in high school. 
If Christ is not risen, we're the most miserable people on earth. Our preaching and teaching is vain. Our faith is in vain. Our witness is in vain. Our sacrifices we've made are in vain. Here's the worst part. We are yet in our sin, and we will perish without promise. But hear it like a blast from the trumpet. But now, Christ is. <laughs> if that don't ring your bell, your clacker's broken. Or clanger, whatever that thing is. We are all, of all men, most joyous. We are of all people most hopeful. And I've heard people say, oh, preacher, I've seen Christians. They're the longest-faced, mule-faced, saddest people in the world. Well, think of what they'd be if they weren't saved. <laughs> That's all I can say. I can't help what they do. I can, I, can only, I can only joy for myself. Let me tell you what Jesus said about it. You're a royal priesthood. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. We are destined for a throne. And listen, don't feel sorry for us because our best days are in front of us. Because now, Jesus is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Give him a hand this morning. An old-timey preacher years and years and years ago Somebody asked him a question. Preacher, you're 80-something years old. What's your most thrilling moment you ever had? <laughs> What's the most thrilling moment you ever had? And he said, I don't know. I haven't had it yet. <laughs> Preacher, what's your most thrilling moment? I don't know. I haven't had it yet, but it's coming soon. It's coming soon. He's the first fruits. I'll be involved in the next one. I want to tell you something this Easter Sunday morning. Don't, let, don't you let Satan and anything he causes on this sin-cursed planet to take you away from following the King of kings and Lord of lords. This old ship sometimes may be battered and bent and it may be bruised, but you mark this down. The church of Jesus Christ is going to be called from this planet and when He redeems us, everything that has ensnared us on this earth, the curse will be lifted. <laughs> That's the best hope we'll ever have. So it's Easter Sunday morning. You won't find a better time than this. It's time to say, Lord, I make a decision. If you're here without the Lord, or you're here crushed by what the enemy's doing, I want to declare to you, Christ is. He said in this word, when Satan comes in like a flood, you call on me and I'll raise a standard against that flood. You know what that is? That's his eternal word. Let me declare something to you. But book also says Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. I will tell you this. Without Christ and without the Spirit of God, 
We're no match for the devil. He has at least 6,000 years experience on everyone in this room. But I want to tell you this. You and God are a majority. You and God can defeat every devil, every demon, every foe because Christ is risen. That's His promise. That's His promise. That doesn't come out of wishing. That comes out of experience. Years ago, I had the doctor look at me and I had two young boys in the ministry, frankly. I'll just tell you, I was a full-time pastor professional making $200 a week. I don't know if you know how much that is, but that's $10,000 a year. It doesn't go very far, does it? Satan came. I was looking in a hospital room, and the doctor looked at me and said, My wife, about my wife, Pastor, it's as bad as it comes. And I don't know if she's going to be here tomorrow. We'll do everything we can. I will tell you this. I went to the little chapel in that little hospital. And I opened the book. And you know what I read? But now is Christ risen. I went in that hospital room. You could feel the black breath of the devil in that place. But I want to tell you something. Yashu. Joshua in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ in the New Testament. I started calling the name of Yahshua, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, there was a war in that hospital room for about 10 minutes. I'm going to tell you this. When God comes, He's the power. I just want to say something on Easter Sunday morning. Satan isn't anywhere near an equal rival evil to God. He's a nothing to God. And we ought to know it.